Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Beckham Z-Jam, down by the seaside. Beckham Z-Jam wins the Breeders' Crown. It's Rock and Ron, Mick Wicked on the inside. Mick Wicked to win the Jim York Memorial. Fear the Dragon fights on. Down by the seaside on the outside. Fear the Dragon, down by the seaside. Down by the seaside. And Brian Sears gets up to do it. Keystone Velocity getting closer. Mel Marr looking for the line. Keystone Velocity, Keystone Velocity Keystone Velocity and Dan Dubay to win the Potomac Pace. This guy's the Energizer Bunny as they head for the Royal Fire Guns. Here he comes, foiled again. He keeps going and going and going and going and going. You're tuned in to the official. Podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing, Post Time with Mike and Mike, with co-hosts Mike Carter. And it's bus 936, and bus 936 on the wings of an angel. And Mike Bozich. Outside Heaven Rocks, but the clock's running out. Bella Buster Hanover wins the Commodore Ferry. Going and going. Don't touch that dial. We've got another Thursday edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, what a big weekend of racing last weekend. And we got another big weekend coming up this weekend. We're really rolling through stake season pretty strongly. Well, absolutely. And what about next weekend? The big dance, the Hamiltonian. And we're going to be live on site, broadcasting live from the Meadowlands. Certainly can't wait for that. But uh, you're right, Mike. We've got uh, the Adios coming up this weekend. Just a great, great next couple of weeks. Uh, Hamiltonian uh, Oaks Eliminations coming up this weekend as well. And uh, we've got a jam-packed show here today, my friend. Yeah, we've got a fantastic show coming up um, today. We've got a uh, some real firepower, Mike, as we talk to trainer Rick Zeron, who trains Atlanta. And Mike, an interesting ploy here by the connections of Atlanta is they will skip the Hamiltonian Oaks and head right to the Hamiltonian, uh, which obviously uh, is headlined by Six Pack, who went 150 flat on Meadowlands Pace Night. So it'll be interesting to see how Atlanta handles the boys coming up next Saturday. Well, that Hamiltonian is going to be a good one. And how about the stable.ca, Mike? They're going to get their first Hamiltonian entrant and lawmaker. Anthony McDonald is going to be joining us as well. It's been a little bit since we've heard from our good friend Anthony, but he's going to check in on this very program to talk about lawmaker and what's going on at the stable.ca. Plus our running aces segment, Darren Gagne, they had a big weekend last weekend, and Darren's going to put a wrap on that. Hall of Fame track announcer Roger Houston will be joining us towards the top of the hour to talk some adios. That is coming up at the Meadows this weekend and joe thompson the owner and founder of winback farms is going to be in the on deck circle he's going to be joining us here in just a few minutes as well but mike this is 
uh, you brought something up earlier, big Saturday qualifying day, always Saturday's qualifying days this time of year, big at the Meadowlands. But this one's going to be of interest to a lot of different people. And uh, Mike, just before we got on the air, you uh, saw a tweet from the Hall of Famer, Jimmy Tactor. Yeah, Jimmy Tactor talked about Lazarus on Twitter just a little bit ago, and he said that he's qualifying on Saturday, which we already knew he's facing some very tough company in Lather Up and Bloodline. But since it's his first qualifier, they're just going to use it as a training mile and not fully stretch him out. That's from Jimmy Tactor himself. So it'll be interesting to see what exactly, uh, Mike, that means. If they're going to try to go 51, if they, you know, if they wind up going 52. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what a training mile consists of, considering he schooled, he schooled in uh, 51 or 52, depending on whose time you looked at. Well, that's certainly not a surprise. I mean, you wouldn't expect Jimmy Tankter to take Lazarus, uh, you know, all out in, uh, in a qualifying effort. But nonetheless, you're right. It's going to be interesting to see where that comfortable speed is for a Lazarus. And he's uh, qualifying, like you said, against some pretty tough competition. But, Mike, uh, of course, we're anxious to see Lazarus here in the States and anxious to see him on the racetrack and see what he can do. But uh, it's also good to see Lather up back on the racetrack, too, Mike. I know he – I believe he was scratched last Saturday from qualifiers. But it uh, looks like he's going to be there this week. And it's really, really good to see him on the racetrack. Um, you know, I mean, you just talk about a three-year-old that had everything going for him and then made that couple of missteps in the Beal, or rather in the, uh, at Pocono, what was it? It was the, the, uh, was the Beal or the Lynch? I, I always get them confused. Okay. So the, the Beal is a trotting race and the Lynch is the Philly race. So, uh, good try. It was the Max Hemp. I totally missed on both of them. You missed on both of them. It was on Super Stakes Sunday, and, and Lather Up was, uh, really had a tough mile, Mike. I mean, it was just part of the mile, and, and uh, yeah, and made that uh, – I'm lost. I'm just completely lost. But but anyway, made that break, and, and actually, Montreux made a, a kind of an interesting comment. It's just like, you know, the horse, uh, he's so fast and so talented that, you know, he, he kind of doesn't realize when he's in trouble. You know, and right. uh, that's just how talented Lather Up is. And it's uh, really good to see him on the racetrack because obviously, you know, the first thing you think of when, when you see him disappear for a while is is injuries. So it's really good to see Lather Up back on the racetrack. And tell you what, a lot of eyes are going to be on them qualifiers come Saturday at the big end. Yeah, for sure. One thing, I talked to Montrell shortly after uh, that race with Lather Up, and all he said to me was, he better learn how to break. Um, I think when he made a break, it kind of scared him a little bit, uh, you know, that he kind of stuck his toes in and just kind of stopped um, right in front of everybody. And so, obviously, some of these horses are green. Some horses don't know how to break. So, it'll be cool to see Lather Up back on the track as he prepares for the cane pace, and then he'll head to uh, Northeast Ohio, uh, following that effort. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how it all shakes out and uh, see where Lather Up goes from here. Um, we haven't heard exactly where he's going, if he'll go to the cane or not. I guess that was me pre or overstepping a little bit, but it'll be interesting to see uh, where exactly he goes. All right. When, uh, let's get this show on the road, my friend. When we come back, we've got the owner and founder of Winback Farms, Joe Thompson, plus a jam-packed show uh, as well, so you're not going to want to miss it. Keep it locked right here on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. 
Looking to bet on great racing from around the country and around the world? There's no better place than BetAmerica.com. But there's also no better time to join because right now we're offering a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Simply open a new account at BetAmerica, make your first deposit, and we'll add your bonus immediately. It's that easy. Sign up today at BetAmerica.com. Join us for a huge two-day live on-site auction of historical items from the former Pompano Park Grandstand. The auction takes place at Pompano Park. It is set to go on Sunday, August 5th at noon and Monday, August 6th at 9 a.m. Come get your bidder's number at the open house on Friday, August 3rd and Saturday, August 4th from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. For those who cannot make it live on-site, it will be on ProxyBid.com. We will be featuring items from the former Grandstand dating back to the early years of 1964, such as paramutual signage, the plastic horse set that was high atop the park, Patton's Place sign, Castleton Farms mural, the Jackie Gleason bar, and a large wall art of horses and drivers from the sixth floor. For more information, visit Midwest-Auctioneers.com. That's Midwest-Auctioneers.com. Back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter and Mike, we urge each and every one of you to check us out at our website. Of course, uh, that's probably where you're listening live right now. Post time with Mike and Mike.com. But you may have noticed a little bit of a change to the front page, and that is going to be a weekly segment uh, coming up for the foreseeable future on Windback Farms and some of their horses. Our very first article, The Wonder of Windback, talks about. Uh, Windback Farms and their history and a little bit about their owner, founder, Joe Thompson. We've got another article that's going to be coming out a little bit after the show, uh, and it's going to talk about their second Meadowlands Pace winner, Mike, and we were so impressed by the effort of uh, Courtly Choice uh, last Saturday. Yeah, Courtly Choice uh, definitely put on a show during the Meadowlands Pace, uh, passing Dorsodoro Hanover late in the stretch. And it's going to be kind of cool to talk to the guys from Windback Farm and kind of find out, you know, what goes on at a breeding farm. Uh, that's something we really don't uh, touch a whole lot on, so it'll be interesting to uh, hear from those guys and uh, to hear all about it. All right, let's check in now with the owner and founder of Windback Farm, Joe Thompson. Joe, how are you, sir? Pretty good. Thank you very much for calling. All right. Well, Joe, listen, let's uh, let's talk about the early days a little bit. Tell us, uh, and we, we covered a little bit about it in the article. Obviously, want to expound on it a little bit, but tell us uh, how you got started in the in the business of harness racing. Well, I actually was in the thoroughbred business in the beginning with just a few horses, and then uh, when I moved to uh, the east, then it just seemed like there was a lot more opportunity, a lot more racetracks. It was easier to get in. The uh, harness horses were a little bit more reasonable in price, and you could get some really good good uh, buys on harness horses and getting to the breeding farms and uh, learning who the people were and who could help you it just was it just was an easier thing to do for me so anyway, we got involved with it and uh, then I had a partner in my other business, and he said, "What are you doing?" and we had four or five horses at that time, and then he and I established a partnership called White Horse Farm. And we had that until about 91 where we dispersed it. And that's about the same time that uh, we really kicked in gear for, for win back. 
So, you know, it's been, uh, I guess one of the things that helped us a, a lot, believe it or not, was the tax tax law changes in 1986. And it used to be that they had a lot of, uh, a lot of partnerships and people were using, you know, using it for uh, investing in taxes and all that kind of thing. And then when they changed the tax bill so that it became a different kind of tax treatment on partnerships, then a lot of horses became available that uh, probably would have been uh, very, very expensive before that. So it was easy to pick up really good mares at uh, reasonable prices. And from that point, we just continued to add and grow. And in 1991, I ended up purchasing the Winfield Farm down in uh, down in Maryland, and that's where Northern Dancer stood. So uh, Win- Winback is actually made up of uh, two or three thoroughbred farms that I consolidated and, and, and made that the home place for Winback Farm. So talk to us a little bit about what went into starting uh, Winback Farm and kind of the breeding operation that you guys have there. Well, it, um, you know, breeding farm is kind of like any other business. It's, uh, you know, you've got to have, if you don't have the, uh, the right kind of people, then it's a problem. And then you're trying to add mares that, uh, you know, seem to fit what your goal is. And our goal was to try to capitalize on the, the uh, sire stakes programs. And then if you have horses that are good enough, then they can go way beyond that and race on the grand circuit and all that kind of thing. And uh, so we, we concentrated on, I guess when we started off, we probably were mostly in Maryland, but we bred a little bit everywhere. And then as we got toward the uh, end of the 90s and we started to see what was going on with uh, the different uh, um, with, with the slots and the different programs and so forth, we brought in, uh, I guess New York was first, and then we went after, uh, then we went into Ontario because they had a really good program coming on board. So today, I would say about a third of our horses are bred in uh, Ontario and a third of them are bred in New York and then a third in all the rest of uh, the country, which we're, we're big in Pennsylvania, obviously. We're big in Delaware and Maryland. And uh, that's pretty much where we keep it. Now, as we go forward, we're we're looking at Ohio. Ohio's been good, and we bred, uh, uh, you know, uh, 10 or 12 mares in Ohio this year. Now, Joe, let's talk about some of the horses uh, that win back as bred. Talk, tell us about some of the horses uh, that you guys have helped raise and uh, own, and even some of the horses that are still racing now. Well, I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the big thing was in the – the last decade or so and and uh that's when we we bred three horses a year and we bred uh, uh some that i'm really really proud of and that was better to light out he was one of the you know he was he's he was a great race horse he won a lot of great races i think he was three-year-old pacer of the year uh and then he's gone on to be one of the premier stallions in in the sport and then we bred muscle hill which uh you know he was he's just been phenomenal as far as being a being a great sire so but we had one on the pacing side and one on the trotting side that uh you know they're not the only ones we've bred but uh, to me they stick out in my mind and then the other uh we had another one that was horse of the year um uh, that was rainbow blue so rainbow blue in my opinion was one of the best was one of the best pacing mares ever, and she won, I think, 20 out of 21 races or something, and the only race she didn't win was uh, some guy was at the Meadowlands and had a kind of a red scarf on, and he was a photographer, and she kind of ran on that, and that was George Teague's horse. So anyway, those were three really good horses, and 
courses that, that we have, you know, now that are coming out is that Wisdom Tree is a three-year-old patient filly. Obviously, Choice has been, been really good. Um, uh, there's a there's a whole slew of them, and if you look at, uh, you know, our horses so far in 2018 have won about 1,100 races, and I think the purses so far, and this is before the big stakes start to hit, have won about 10 million, ten and a half million dollars. So those are horses we bred, you know, bred, raised, sold, and sold, and so they're not our horses, but uh, certainly as a breeding farm, that's what you want is you want people to win win races, win races, and. Uh, you know, win money, and hopefully they come back next year. In fact, one of the sales managers told me one time, said the reason people uh, buy from you is they win races with your horses. So we're very proud of that statement, and, uh, you know, we try to uh, we try to breed horses that can win. And, you know, when you have good horses that uh, do well, then obviously it brings a lot of attention to your farm. Oh, Rainbow Blue, I'll tell you, that horse always has a special uh, place in my heart. It was actually the first really good uh, horse I called back at Hazel Park in 2004, I believe. She came out there when we still had the the uh, roses or red stinks, and uh, she put on a clinic, let me tell you. But, Joe, uh, let's talk a little bit about Courtly Choice. Uh, you know, give this horse gave win back uh, its second Meadowlands pace win. Talk about him a little bit and, you know, kind of what it means to you to to win a race like the pace. Well, you know, that's what every breeding farm wants, I think, is to have, you know, you've got to have headliners. You've got to have uh, horses that win the big races or, or people just don't think that they can get there if they buy your horses. But Cornell Choice was, uh, he kind of, um, I, I love the story because he would, he's out of a mare called Lady Ashley Ann, and Lady Ashley Ann is ma- named after one of my daughters. And she was a fantastic filly, born in the middle of June. So she was small, and she was a stallion that was very unpopular at the time. But anyway, uh, she made it to the Hall of Fame, so she's had a terrific producing career. And this was her last fall, and she actually died having this fall, having courtly choice. So he was uh, put on a nurse mare and raised from there. And uh, but she was like 20 years old, so it kind of disproves the old mare theory that if you have the wrong mare, that uh, you know an old mare that you shouldn't be buying buying uh, yearlings from it. But I think his his record is what 47 and one or something like that. So I mean he uh, he's done everything right. But the first two races he was in, um, I think uh, you know I've never had a horse that hooked a wheel, but. Uh, he did hook a wheel in, in one of the races, and I think he won both both the lunch and the other consolation. And then uh, he won the Meadowlands Pace, and now he's going on to. Uh, I think we'll, we are going to supplement him for the cane. So he's he's a, it's just a, it's just a great story, and kind of kind of uh, as far as people with their bias and prejudice against older mares, I think he's kind of uh, he kind of disproves the theory. The cane. Uh, well, I guess I know that didn't bit, set you guys back too far because you, you hey. can talk about anything, you two guys. <laughs> hey, hey, li- hey, listen, Joe, you talked about uh, you, you talked about thinking about supplementing to the cane. Uh, we uh, just saw the breaking news uh, just released on Twitter that uh, Courtly Choice has been supplemented to the cane. So we'll get to yeah. see him on Hamiltonian Day. So that's uh, that's exciting uh, for you guys, obviously, and for all the connections of Courtly Choice. But uh, 
one thing about it, Joe, is and, and this kind of this question here kind of pertains to me as well because I don't know what goes on at the day-to-day operations at a breeding farm. Um, a lot of racing fans uh, aren't really uh, familiar with that either. Can you fill us in as to what takes place at a breeding farm and uh, how the process of breeding works? Sure. Um, well, you know, the end game is trying to get a yearling that's prepared and uh, the right, you know, pretty good size and and uh, it's been prepared correctly but you know it starts like two years before so you're you go through your mares and you're trying to figure out which ones will make the best cross which ones seem to sell right so it's it's really a a, a, uh you know you're trying to look into a crystal bar and figure out what's going to happen two to three years from now and so then you select the stallions you send up you send off all the contracts and then you have to have a really good once you get them bred and that's a problem too i think the national average is like 56 58 percent so it's not ever mare you buy is not going to get in full our average is a little bit better because we have people that specialize in it and, and uh, spend a lot of time on the mares and you know, they treat them and so forth and make sure they get in full. And then once you get them in full, then you want to, if you don't have good nourishment for them, then, uh, you know, the foals won't grow like they're supposed to. So you have to have good grass, good water, good good feed. And uh, and we've been very fortunate in the people we use to furnish us feed. And our guys are always checking the hay. They're always checking the the uh, the feed to make sure that they they're together. So you want a crew that really, and then they watch the mares as they go forward and they try to treat them and make sure that uh, they're in the best of health. So the nourishment that goes into the, the fetus is going to grow as big as it can. And then we have another crew that comes in and uh, when the mares go in in, uh, in January, February, then uh, they'll start to fold there. And we have a we have a great crew that, that uh, we have very little problems with our mares when they start to fold. And occasionally you will have the have the problem, and we have two vets on staff, so we have that. We're we're big fans of New Bowen Center, so when something really is is tough, our vets will make a decision of whether or not to send them on to uh, New Bowen Center. We have a great group that, then uh, they look at the foals when they're born, and they look at them like three weeks, and monthly, just to make sure that their legs and and limbs are starting to grow the right way. And if they're not doing well, then we'll do something for, for, for treatment on them. We want to make sure that the foals are healthy. And so they're constantly looking at them. And then once they, uh, you know, then you have the summer, like right now, they're growing up. And for me, Maryland has been terrific because we get a, we get a good amount of waterfalls down there. And so the, therefore the grass is very good. Then we'll wean, our, we'll take them away from the mothers like in October, November. And then a year from that time, then they're sold, and we pick the sales we go to. And right now we go to about five sales. So so that's uh, kind of the cycle that goes forward. So right now we have the babies that, that have been born this year. They're out running around. And then we're we're starting to bring up yearlings so that they will be prepped and uh, and uh, made to stand and, and taught their lessons for going to the sale. And our guys actually – it will help them and train them to get on trailers and off of trailers because that used to be a problem. It used to take all day to get a trailer loaded, but now our guys can load them up probably about as fast as any anybody. But we have a staff that pays a lot of attention to the day-to-day nourishment and health of each of the animals. 
So when a yearling gets hurt or gets a scratch, I won't say a scratch, but if he were to get get kicked or he's lame or something like that, they're quick to bring him up and treat him. And uh, we've got a special barn for that, that uh, so that they can they can recover without having to uh, you know be out with the herd. So we. I'm just really proud of my staff. I'd put them up against anybody, and then when we go to sell, they uh, our horses will stand up as well as anybody. So it is a constant deal to bring that bring that mare and that embryo to, to, to life and then to raise it and then to take it off the market so that so that when the buyer gets it, that horse is broken and ready to go. And I think we've, we've received a lot of compliments about when people start to break our horses that they've been fooled with and they know they seem to have to be uh, ready to be trained. Wow, great stuff, interesting stuff. Joe, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Before we let you go, looking, your head, uh, looking ahead, what are some of the things we can look forward to out of uh, Winback going forward? We're not going forward. I, I, I think it's more of the same. And what we try to do is improve what we did last year. We'll look at the mistakes we made or if we made mistakes. Uh, we do like the jurisdictions that we have farms in. We have farm in Ontario. We have one in New York, Maryland, and Delaware. And like I said, we bred a lot in uh, Pennsylvania. We used to stand some stallions in Pennsylvania. I don't know that we'll do that again. But, uh, you know, we're always looking to pick up uh, uh, new stallions and try to describe the ones that don't seem to be working so well. We uh, we breed a lot to other other stallions as well. So all that seems to work for us. And, uh, you know, it's just a constant deal, and it's just like any other business. What you want to do is you look at what you've done and look at what you've accomplished, and you look at where you you may have some weaknesses and whether they be horses people or process that you try to improve it as you as you go forward great stuff well listen joe we certainly appreciate you joining us interesting stuff about the breeding farm and uh don't forget check on our website post time with mike and mike.com a little bit later on today because we'll have a feature on the courtly choice who just won the meadowlands pace and is being supplemented to the cane joe we certainly appreciate you joining us buddy we'll check in with you at a future date okay thank you mike and mike good luck on your uh, oh, I cut them off. Oops. <laughs> Sorry about that, Joe, but we appreciate that. Uh, thank you very much. I'll tell you what, interesting stuff. I mean, what, what goes on at a, a breed farm that's always good stuff. And, and like you said, Mike, I mean, we kind of strangers to that. I think a lot of the racing community as far as fans are kind of strangers to what exactly goes on at a breed farm. But, Mike, that's where it all begins. Yeah, for sure. Uh, some good information there. And like I told him, I, you know, I, I'm one of those people that is kind of oblivious to what goes on at a breeding farm. I'm not really sure what happens there, or how things work. So lots of great information uh, from him. That's for sure. All right, let's uh, let's move right along. We're going to kind of forego the commercial break. We'll catch up on the bills a little bit later because our man Rick Zeron has been hanging on quite a while. I know he's calling us from uh, up north of the border. Rick, how are you, buddy? Uh, good morning, guys. How are you, Mike and Mike? Doing fantastic. Well, let's talk a, a little bit about, uh, obviously, your fantastic Philly Atlanta foregoing the Hamiltonian Oaks, going right to the boys, taking on the big boys in the Hamiltonian. Obviously, she's got the ability to win that race, and obviously you believe so too, or else you wouldn't have made the call. But tell us a little bit about what went into the decision. Uh, well, we kind of, we started talking about this basically in March. I started to talk about it to myself, really, because we were training her down at Sunshine Meadows in Florida. And uh, she was just, she was training like phenomenal. She was, uh, my assistant trainer, Ernie Hendry, he called her a creature from uh, the middle of March on. And uh, 
and uh, she didn't let her name down, her nickname down because uh, she just kept getting stronger and stronger as we uh, prepped her to get ready to race for uh, 2018. Now, Rick, you have been a dominant force on the New York Sire Stakes circuit. In fact, uh, you've really kind of taken uh, taken them by a storm in New York. And I'll tell you what, she's put on a show just about every time she's gone onto the racetrack. And she's a speedy little filly, but she can also come from off the pace. Uh, where does that versatility come from? And is it, uh, you know, obviously it's a plus that she's so versatile. Uh, I kind of trained her that way last year when she was a two-year-old because she was a little bit green. Uh, she wasn't a really big, uh, big tall filly, and I thought that she would get around a half-mile track. And uh, obviously, I was wrong because we, we took her to a smaller track, and she jumped twice. Uh, Scott drove her once at Yonkers, and she made a miscue. And I drove her at uh, Batavian, made a miscue. So uh, we decided to take her off of that and put her on the bigger track, and took her over to Tioga. And uh, she bounced straight back and uh, trotted in 55 and a piece. And uh, I think she finished fourth to uh, to uh, plunge a blue chip uh, at that time. And then we took her over uh, to um, Vernon Downs, and she had the outside position, eight or nine hole. And uh, she went in uh, 54 flat right off the front end. So uh, that's when I knew uh, we had a versatile trotting filly, and I knew uh, she could do it on the front end. She actually does uh, scratch and uh, dig harder from coming off the pace than she does on the front end because she enjoys passing the horses more than hearing them come at her when she's on the front. She really just doesn't want to let anything uh, get in front of her at the finish line. Visiting with Rick Zeron, uh, trainer from Atlanta. Rick, uh, tell us a little bit about what race you thought that you knew you had something special. What what race kind of stuck out to you and said, wow, I, I, I really got something here? Uh, well, it was it was kind of a combination of, of three races, Mike. It was the race we won at Vernon Downs last year at two. Uh, we brought her back. I won the Champlain with her at Mohawk. And then uh, we raced her in the Breeders' Crown, and she finished fourth in the Alim and fourth in the final. And the further that the year got on in 17, uh, the stronger that she was getting, and uh, she was catching on to what she really needed to do uh, as a racehorse. And the more and more that I raced her last year, I knew that she, if, if we didn't have any injury problems uh, over the winter, that she would come back and she would be a phenomenal filly as, uh, as a three-year-old. Now, Rick, obviously, uh, the, the maturing from age two to three, you never really know until the horses step onto the racetrack what you're going to get. And so far, she's five for five in 2018. And you saw some of the miles, uh, that six-pack, and that actually that plunge blue chip and Manchego put in um, last Saturday night at the Meadowlands. Obviously, you're going to be racing during the day. It's going to be heat racing. Um, the times are going to be a little faster. Does any of that concern you at all uh, no not at all and uh, i talked it over with scott he's the driver of this filly uh he's quite confident in her uh i'm more confident than than anybody else and uh, uh the concern basically uh that a lot of people were talking about can this filly go in, in two heats in the same day and as far as i'm concerned i think she can because she she collects herself after a race between 12 and 14 minutes after a race she seems to calm herself down get her wind back uh, and uh, and be ready to uh, go back out there and do it again. So I'm quite confident in her, in her uh, to race against um, um, a six pack. And then we're going to race against Wolfgang also. So, um, you know, those are, those are two great uh, uh, Colts that I'm going to be racing against. And uh, I think this Philly can stand up and, and play with the big boys.
Rick, what would it mean to you to win a Hamiltonian? About 35 feathers in your cap. (laughs) 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 Uh, It'd be special, boy, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's, you know, we we ask a lot of different horsemen about the race they want to win, and usually it comes down to two things. It comes down either either to the Little Brown Jug or the Hamiltonian, and you're going to have that opportunity come next Saturday. Well, Rick, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. One final question. I know this question might be premature because you're all eyes and focused on the Hamiltonian, but uh, do, you have, do you have her uh, season kind of mapped out after that? What can we expect from Atlanta afterwards? Uh, she'll come up to Canada. She's got uh, three starts up here in Canada at Mohawk, uh, Woodbine racetrack up here. And then Beautiful. she'll go, yeah, then she'll go down to Kentucky and she'll race in Kentucky and then go back up to, uh, to the Poconos, I believe for the Breeders' Crown. All right. Good stuff. Well, listen, Rick, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Best of luck come next Saturday and uh, we'll see if your phenomenal Philly can, uh, is up to the challenge, my friend. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Mike and Mike. All right, that was Rick Zeron. And, uh, boy, what a great story. Atlanta, I'll tell you what, she has uh, really turned some heads. And, and I think Rick brought up the point, and, and I agree with him 100%. You can, I mean, could you see it visually as you watch her, is that she just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And I'm glad that he addressed the two heat issue, the heat issue, because, you know, you're asking a lot of a horse to go out there twice in a day. I mean, that's something that was done a lot in the old days, not really done anymore. But, uh, you know, in this day and age and in the breeding for speed and all that, it's an awful lot to ask a horse to do. But he thinks she's up for the challenge, Mike. Well, well, not just that. A couple of things I took from that interview. Number one, I love his confidence. I love Rick Zeron's confidence in the fact that he thinks Atlanta's got a shot to win the Hamiltonian. That's absolutely fantastic. The only question I have in in talking to other people industry-wise, we saw what what happened last Saturday at night, Mike. Now, mind you, it was a little cooler. It wasn't super hot, but it was a little cooler. And they went 49 and four in the Philly <laughs> with the two Phillies on the front end and 50 flat with six pack. This Hamiltonian could very easily go two heats in sub 150 times. And yeah. so that's the only concern for me as far as Atlanta goes. But I think she's got a heck of a chance. And I'll tell you what, what confidence Rick Zeron has in his Philly. That's a, something amazing to look forward to. Do we have, and I know we're still a week and a half out, but uh, have you looked at the weather at all? I mean, I know it's it's probably way too early to predict, but you know they have those long long range might rain. Really, they're talking like it might rain. Yeah, it's gonna be hot. You're talking on Hamiltonian day, it's hot, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's gonna be hot and uh, rainy. The way you the way you move with these remotes, buddy, you're gonna be sweating up a storm on Saturday. You're gonna be just, it's just gonna be a whole part. We're gonna have to get a bucket for you, my friend. Well, well listen, uh, you might have to put a like a cold washcloth on my neck or something to keep me uh, to keep me from uh, keep me from being dehydrated. But we'll see. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We're actually gonna be live from the Hamiltonian next Saturday. Uh, we will be on somewhere in the ballpark of uh, about three or four o'clock, and we will take you right through the 2018. Hamiltonian final um, last year's show was fantastic uh, we had a lot of fun with that and I'll tell you what Mike we have a lot of fun every time we go to the Meadowlands so I'm looking forward to it yeah we certainly do well we are way behind on commercials uh, just a, a couple of great interviews that we just had and we just let it roll so we uh, we desperately have to pay some bills but 
We still have a lot left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. We're going to talk some adios, which is coming up on Saturday. But that's turning out uh, is going to turn out to be a fantastic race. Let me tell you, Roger Houston will be joining us, the Hall of Fame track announcer from the Meadows. We'll go over the adios and the card. Plus, Anthony McDonald will be joining us as well. He will have a chance for a Hamiltonian moment as uh, he is going to enter the stables' first ever entrant into the Hamiltonian Lawmakers, some exciting stuff going on with AMAC and the stable. Plus, Darren Gagne and Running Aces uh, is coming up. They had a big, big weekend last week with the Dan Patch. A lot of going ons there. Uh, Darren's going to put a wrap on that. Plus, much, much more on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Winback Farms yearlings are born to compete and raised to win. Be sure to check out our lineup to take advantage of opportunities in slot and rich states. Our yearlings are eligible in Delaware, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Ontario, and Pennsylvania. Our 2018 sales schedule kicks off in Goshen on September 9th, followed by Lexington October 2nd through the 6th, London October 13th to the 14th, Harrisburg November 5th to the 7th, and the Harrisburg Mix Sale on November 8th. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winback farm.com Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once in a lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8787. 82 extension 5555 Standard Bread Pleasure Horse Organization of New Jersey is proud to present the National Standard Bread Horse Show. Coming up on August 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Horse Park in Allentown, New Jersey. It's fun for the whole family. The fun starts on Friday, August 10th at 6.30 with games and fun divisions featuring the Sam McKee Memorial Barrel Race. Then on Saturday, August 11th, it's Western In-Hand Showmanship, Driving, Roadster, and Gated Divisions. And on Sunday, August 12th, Dressage, English Equitation, Jumping, Hunters Fresh Off the Track, Warhorse, and the Pacing for the Cure two-gated pleasure class. This year's show is in memory of the late, great Sam McKee. For more information, visit us at sphonj.org. That's sphonj.org. It's the National Standard Bread Horse Show, August 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Horse Park in Allentown, New Jersey. Be there! Mike Bozich here along with Mike Carter for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a wheelchair or scooter? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application. If eligible, you may receive funding. Again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer, driver, or owner? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2017 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2018 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st to October 31st. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers, trainers, and owners. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org.
back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, speaking of road tripping, not only will we be at the uh, Hamiltonian, I personally will be attending my first adios uh, as uh, I will be out there as a USTA uh, representative uh, coming up on Saturday. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to see Dorsodoro Hanover. Sadly, though, I don't think I'm going to get uh, 52 or 54 to 1. No, definitely not. But it's going to be a fantastic race. It's setting up to be a really, really good race. And uh, I'll tell you what, Tony Alani has got a chance to win this race, I believe, for the second time in three years. But I think it's a wide open betting affair. I think there's certainly a lot of value that can be found. And uh, for more on it, let's uh, got to phone a friend, got to call the experts. And <laughs> time to bring in the Hall of Fame track announcer of the Meadows, the voice of harness racing, Roger Houston. Roger, how are you, buddy? I'm doing fine, gentlemen. Nice to be with you again. And for Mike Carter, uh, I would advise you to come on over Friday night. You can get in the bounce house. Ah, listen, <laughs> that, that listen, that sounds like my kind of thing. I like it. That, I mean, that'd be great video for the USTA. Well, you know what? Listen, he tried to get into the one here at Harris, Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago when he was here, and uh, security threw him out. He, he tried to kick all the kids out and get in there, and, and uh, security threw him out. So I, you might be banned from bounce houses or racetracks across the country. Oh, man. You guys you guys are a hoot. I love it. Well, Raj, listen, you get to call the adios this weekend, and I'll tell you what, what an amazing race this is really set up to be. Uh, Trader Tony Alanya has got a chance to win his second adios in three years. Trader Ron Burke trying to uh, win his first one by himself. And what an amazing uh, race that the eliminations uh, kind of turned out to be. Uh, from your standpoint, uh, it had to be a lot of fun as well. Uh, one thing you forgot, Brian Brown's trying to try to go back-to-back. He won last year with Fear of the Dragon, and he's got done well, and he is definitely one of the contenders in that uh, 11th race come Saturday. Roger, talk a little bit about the eliminations. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, the, any horse that kind of jumped out at you in the eliminations, anybody that maybe we should be uh, we should be afraid of that may go off at some kind of price. Well, the two horses, I don't think you're going to get much of a price because uh, I think it's going to be fairly evenly bet race, so to speak, at least five of the horses. Uh, I have no idea who the betting public's going to go with in, in this race. It could be either one of the five. But the two horses that turned in exceptional performances in the eliminations did not win. Think big, dream big. Came from uh, sixth at the top of the stretch to finish third, just beaten a half a length. And he did it from post five. This week he'll have to do it from post eight. The other horse that came uh, a heck of a, a final was uh, 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 done well. Done well was fifth on the outside at the top of the stretch and finished second, got beat a length and a quarter. So as far as closers and eliminations, uh, done well and think big, dream big. Uh, I'm still going to go with my original pick. I liked him last week. He got beat by a nose, uh, by a horse that got a perfect trip. So I'm, I'm taking Dorsoduro Hanover and Matt Kikaley. They got post five, which happens to be the winningest post position here at the Meadows uh, to be the winner. Uh, Hitman Lobel, uh, Hitman Hill had his choice of post, and they took post three, and the other winner, American History, took post four, and 
Dorso Duro Hanover will be leaving right beside him in post five. But yeah, I'm going with the Burke horse this year. Now, Roger, obviously you know the Meadows better than anybody uh, with your seat uh, high above the grandstand. And what kind of a pace scenario do you think that, that supports this kind of a race? Obviously, um, you know, we see speed favoring racetracks. We see closer racetracks. But you watch more races at the Meadows than anybody. How do you see this race kind of setting up early? You know, I it, 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 it's hard to figure uh, Last week, Kekele went to the top out of the three-hole, but he had a rough way to get there, quarter and 27, and he took him down to the half with Dorsodoro Hanover in, uh, I think it was 54 and 4. Somebody will leave that we're not expecting to. And done well from post six, has got to leave more than he did last week. Last week he had post seven, he got away six. So done well, he's got to leave as best he can and hope for a spot. Then you got Jordan Stratton in there with Think Big, Dream Big. He cannot be sitting sixth at the top of the stretch this year, this week. He's going to have to leave uh, from the outside and hope that he gets a spot. The worst case scenario is that by the time they get to the three eights pole, they'll be four in and four out. Uh, as far as uh, a hitman in American history, American history last week kind of swooped them, got away fourth uh, in a quarter in 27 and two, which was pedestrian for that field, had the lead at the half in 55 and three, which was a very soft time for three-year-old pacers. And then he just put the pedal to the metal and uh, American history was a winner by uh, better than a length in 51. Uh, It's just really hard for me, at least to figure out who's going to be on top because I think the winner will be determined in the first eighth of a mile. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, I just think uh, how they leave, how they get away, will determine who's going to be on top when they hit the wire. All right, and of course, it's a stakes-laden program coming up. I mean, all the, the whole card is just uh, an unbelievable program. It'll be, certainly be the place to be. The Meadows come Saturday. Now, Roger, I, w- I was scrolling through your Facebook, and I you put a post on there a couple of days ago, I believe, about – the number of race calls you're up to, and, and I can't find it for the life of me. What number of, of race calls are you up to now? 178,000. Wow. That is yeah. un, that's unbelievable. 178,000. And we did it, uh, I think it was one day last week, so uh, it's in the low low figures above 178. But uh, – uh, good Lord willing, the crick don't rise. Uh, we could get to that 180 figure, I would guess, sometime uh, uh, early next year, mid-year. And uh, sky's the limit because I feel great. And I'm still doing as many races each year as uh, in the past, uh, somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 a year. I'm still traveling as much as uh, I can. Uh, next week, I'll announced at three different racetracks, Lisbon, Ohio, Xenia, Ohio, and here at the Meadows. So a lot of traveling in the month of August. I think I figured it up I'm only at the Meadows, I think, for nine race programs uh, in the, the next month. Uh, the rest of the time we'll be traveling. Of course, we'll be making that trip back to Dublin, Ireland, at Port Marnock for the Vincent Delaney Memorial. And uh, it's almost like old home week. I know almost all the people will be there, plus 
there'll probably be 40 or 50 people from the states alone uh, in attendance for that Vincent Delaney Memorial. Well, it sounds like a fantastic time. You're getting stronger as the race gets longer, my friend. Well, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll certainly be watching you come Saturday for the uh, mm-hmm. for the adios. And I'll tell you, if you can't make up your mind, put five names in the hat, pull a name out, and bet that horse in the adios, because I, I really feel any one of five horses could win this race. Fantastic. Sounds like a good time. And listen, if you're if you, if you, if you're uh, looking for a value for your gambling dollar, Adios is certainly yeah. going to provide it. Roger, yeah. we appreciate it, buddy. Okay. Thanks, care of gentlemen. Have a good time. All right. You know, I'll tell you what. Heck with Roger winning the race call of the year. He might win the uh, foiled again Iron Horse of the year. If he get 180,000. <laughs> holy moly. Listen, I I might get the 180,000 race calls when I turn uh when I turn 100. Uh Roger's still kicking and you heard him on the show just now. He said, "I'm feeling great. We're going to keep on rolling." So, uh, you know, Roger uh, is looking forward to 180,000 career race calls and uh I'll tell you what, more power to him. He travels a lot and I know traveling's hard on me. I can't even imagine what it's like on him. Well, it's the love of the game. I mean, what what we do for the love of the game. I mean, our next guest, Anthony McDonald, he's been tra- I think he's been in more states over the last uh, month than most people have in three lifetimes. We're going to talk they, to him. They wrote just- they wrote the song everywhere, man, just for him. Oh, <laughs> oh what we do in this industry, let me tell you. We're going to take a time out when we come back. We're going to talk to our man from the stable.ca, Anthony McDonald, plus Darren Gagne, and much, much more coming up on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. At BetAmerica, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the BetAmerica way. Over the past 25 years, Hoosier Park has revolutionized harness racing across the nation. The action returns Friday, March 30th, with racing every Tuesday through Saturday, starting at 6.30 p.m. Join Revolution at Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Visit HoosierPark.com for more information.
We're back on Post Ever, Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. And uh, I'll tell you what, Mike, uh, our man here has probably seen more airports, more states, more uh, rent-a-car spots than uh, anybody <laughs> has in a lifetime over probably the last month or so, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Stable.ca doing some great things, and uh, they've got a shot to win the Hamiltonian coming up on, uh, I was going to say on Saturday, but it's next Saturday. Uh, they got a shot to win the Hamiltonian. We're going to talk with Anthony McDonald now, and Anthony, I'll tell you what, you, you talk about a busy man in a busy season. You are, I, I think you have more frequent flyer miles uh, than some of the NBA teams that are walking around. <laughs> Well, listen, we do a lot of traveling, but that's what you have to do. I mean, we all sign up for this game in different in different ways, and, and uh, you know, I'm comfortable. I like, I like flying, and, you know, it like, gives me some peace and quiet in between in between flights to, to do some work and, you know, write to our clients and keep in touch with the people that, uh, you know, make this all possible. Now, Anthony, talk to us a little bit about Lawmaker and uh, your chances in the Hamiltonian coming up next is Saturday. Uh, obviously, coming off of a little bit of a miscued effort, uh, talk to us about that uh, trip and then uh, going forward. Well, I think uh, the track at Philly was a little bit deep for him. He, he doesn't wear a lot of grab on his shoes. And, um, you know, when I when I post-prayed him, he felt strong. He felt strong when I scored him down and then shut her a little bit. He's usually, like, the safest horse on earth. Like, he's as sure-footed as any horse can be. And, and he put a step in, he put another step in, and I thought we were out of the turn, and literally just before we got out of the turn, he just rolled off, which is, as I said, very rare for him, but it happened, and obviously I was a little concerned, and, and um, uh, Andrew decided we we're going to put him in the in an overnight on Saturday night in the Meadowlands and try and get a good tightener in him before the Hamble. I mean, listen, I, I've never been in the Hamiltonian. None of the people that own that horse, I shouldn't say that, the breeder has, but outside of him, none of the other people have been in the Hamiltonian that I'm aware of. And it's just a really, really cool experience, and it's it's neat because it's not just the 19 or 20 people that own lawmakers; it's the, the 400, and almost 470 people that own horses in the stable across 10 countries. And I get messages from them all saying, "Geez, you know, good luck. I'm going to be watching." Or some of them are actually flying to New Jersey for the for the race. You know, that's what I was going to ask you next. I mean, you know, you and your wife, you put this thing together from scratch. I mean, you know, we uh, we talked from day one. I mean, this was going back, uh, gosh, four years, four, four or five years ago now, it seems. And, uh, and you know, you put this thing together from scratch, and you get all these owners from all over the place. I mean, probably from other planets. I mean, you've got them call, calling from all <laughs> over. And, you know, and you've you've got just great groups of these partnerships with, uh, you know, with little pieces or big pieces, depending on what they want to do in, in each and every horse. And here, just a couple of short years later, after putting this whole thing together, you get your first Hamiltonian entrant. That really has to mean a lot to you and your wife. Yeah, you know, somebody asked me, you know, are you surprised it took this long or it, took, or it didn't take this long? And really, you know, the Hamiltonian or any of the stake races were never on our radar. And it's, and you guys know because you've heard me speak about it or, or or seen me speak about it, and it's always the same. I mean, it's always about the entertainment value that comes with the stable. We don't have, have anybody that's saying, geez, you know, if we finish fifth, we might get 50000 Nobody even pays attention to that for the most part of the stable. They all just want to be a part of the racing experience, and, and that's what was offered from the start. So, yeah, I mean, to say that I'm not thrilled would be a lie. I mean, I'm, I'm extremely ecstatic to be a part of it and, uh, and, and to instrument it, you know, to, to instrument what went on is, is pretty special to me. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we never really thought it would end up in here. I mean, obviously you hope that, but, but it certainly wasn't our intention. 
Uh, Anthony, uh, talk to us a little bit about a couple of the other horses that you guys have in the stable. Obviously, uh, you've been traveling around. You've got horses in Illinois, Ohio, Jersey, Indiana, all over the place. Um, what, what, where do you think, uh, or excuse me, who do you think um, is kind of the next standout? Um, you know, we were pretty sad to see him leave, but uh, we had a, a small partnership that owned a horse called Swandre the Giant in Indiana, and we campaigned him, trained him down. And then the end of May, um, we weren't going to send a stable out there. So uh, the gentleman that owned that horse and, and good people, you know, they said, well, maybe we could send the horse out to Brandon Bates. And I didn't know Mr. Bates at the time. Uh, I didn't talk to him on the phone, but we sent the horse out. and He's undefeated right now. He won his last start, I believe, in 155. So two-year-old trotter win in 55. His second and then again his fourth lifetime start. Uh, pretty tremendous animal. And then the Colts of Tracing and Peter Houghton, White Tiger, uh, he won the other day at the Meadows in 157. He came from six to do it. Tried his last half in 56 and two, and his last quarter in 28 seconds. He's a tremendous athlete. And then we got some horses in in uh, Ohio that are really nice, and some horses right here in Ontario that are really nice. I just come off the track with a couple of them getting ready for their their gold event on Sunday. So not only do I have to look forward to to uh, you know racing at the Meadowlands tomorrow night, um, but I also have to look forward to racing in Ohio, getting on a plane after we qualify White Tiger Saturday morning at the Meadowlands, getting on a plane, flying to Ohio to race three of our best colts in uh, in Ohio, and then getting on a plane the next morning, coming back to Ontario to race in the, the gold events here at Georgian Downs on Sunday. So we got some nice horses. We've been very, very blessed this year. We we have one of the leading pacers, both on the Philly and Colts side in Ohio, uh, the trotting Colts side in Pennsylvania, the trotting Colts side in Indiana, and uh, some of the better horses here in Ontario also. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a really uh, fortunate year for us for sure. Well, listen. If the if the harness racing business don't work out for you, you could probably go into airport reviews because you've probably been to every <laughs> airport across the country, uh, in two countries, as a matter of fact. Uh, real quick, Anthony, before we let you go, um, let's let's give you a plug here. I mean, the stable.ca. Obviously, you you uh, you're still accepting ownership. I mean, if anybody wants to get involved, I mean, it's very very easy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. The latest owner we had actually was a former NHL player, Doug Gilmore. He uh, he bought into a horse the other day, him and Ricky Vibe, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, you, you can, uh, you know, you can get us anyway. You can get call me on the phone, 519-400-4263. You can email me at anthony at thestable.ca. You can get a hold of me on Facebook or Twitter. I mean, you know, I say this all the time. If you can't get a hold of me, you're not really looking that hard because it's it's pretty easy. So, yeah, I mean, we, we try to take as many people in as we can and, and – um, you know, expose the industry to the general public where it started. And that's, that's what it's all about. I think in my mind, and, and uh, I think we've proven it over the last three years. You know, that's a good thing. I was going to ask actually, before I let you go about uh, Doug Gilmore and getting that crew involved, that, uh, that had to be another feather in the cap. That was, how'd that all come about? It was weird. You know, it's, it's like a lot of things in life. It was a friend of a friend, I guess, somebody that was uh, one of our clients knew somebody that was a friend of Doug Gilmore's agent and, I guess they went on the site and they were looking around and his agent contacted us and said, Hey, um, you know, you got anything out there for Ontario? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, my client is interested in, in getting involved. And obviously I, I asked him who the client was and he said, Doug Gilmore. I said, yeah, I'm sure we can find him something. So we got him involved in a, him and Rick Vive both involved in a, a two-year-old pacing colt that won his first lifetime start and he won his third lifetime start and he got locked in the other night and he's going to go in the, Battle of Waterloo eliminations at uh, Grand River Raceway on Monday. So that's going to be really cool. 
All right, one of our favorite guys in the sport of harness racing, truly revolutionizing the game, Anthony McDonald. Anthony, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and best of luck to you come uh, next Saturday, my friend. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day, man. All right, that was Anthony McDonald. Did, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, he, he just – I mean, one of the hardest working guys in the sport of harness racing right there. I mean, that's another guy that probably can be up for the foil to get Iron Horse of the Year. <laughs> You know, it's incredible just how many miles he puts on um, in in a season. And it's so cool to see kind of the horses that uh, kind of the horses they bring to the table and and how they do it. Mike, I'm searching through their website now and some of the public offerings and, you know, the amounts of horses that you could purchase is just so, so cool. So, uh, you know, it's something for new owners to jump in on for sure. Well, once you once you get off the wallet, Mike, once you get that wallet open, I know it's tough for you to do, but you know, well, listen, once in a while you can open that wallet up. I have a little bit of an idea, so we'll see. Uh, okay, all right, all right. I have a little bit of an all idea. Right. <laughs> well, we'll talk a little bit after this. Well, I'll tell you what. Listen, but but uh, seriously, visit them to stable.ca. I mean, it's very easy for people to get involved, new owners, and like I said, it don't cost you an arm and a leg. You get in for one percent and just have the time of your life. I mean, look if you if you're in the lawmaker. Look at you got a Hamiltonian entered. How cool is how cool is that, Mike? Really, how cool is that? It's actually how, really cool. I looked yeah. on the public offerings just to see if lawmaker any shares of lawmaker were available to see what the price was. There are yeah. none. There are zero. I'm serious, and I'm not I'm trying shocked. to be funny in saying this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there, but there are some horses out there that are three thousand, four thousand, five thousand Canadian for one share, one wow. share of a horse. That's incredible. So, you know, some of these guys, they lucked up and caught a, uh, you know, they caught a, uh, a, a big thing. And it, it's just got to be exciting for the 20 or so owners of Lawmaker. Uh, I know they all have to be ready for the $1 million Hamiltonian. And if they can somehow win this thing, Mike, could you imagine what this would propel the stable to? Man, can you imagine this? I hope that winter circle's big enough. I'll tell you what, they'll be lined up halfway, halfway down the the quarter of a mile Meadowland stretch or the nearly quarter of a mile Meadowland stretch. That'd be something. We've got our man Darren Gagne coming up next. We're going to talk a little bit about running aces. They had a big weekend last weekend, and Darren's going to talk about it. That's coming up next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Join us for a huge two-day live on-site auction of historical items from the former Pompano Park Grandstand. The auction takes place at Pompano Park. It is set to go on Sunday, August 5th at noon and Monday, August 6th at 9 a.m. Come get your bidder's number at the open house on Friday, August 3rd and Saturday, August 4th from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. For those who cannot make it live on-site, it will be on ProxyBid.com. We will be featuring items from the former Grandstand dating back to the early years of 1964, such as Paramutual Signage, the Blastic Horse Set that was high atop the park, Patton's Place Sign, Castleton Farms Mural, the Jackie Gleason Bar, and a large wall art of horses and drivers from the sixth floor. For more information, visit Midwest-Auctioneers.com. That's Midwest-Auctioneers.com.
The Standard Bread Pleasure Horse Organization of New Jersey is proud to present the National Standard Bread Horse Show. Coming up on August 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Horse Park in Allentown, New Jersey. It's fun for the whole family. The fun starts on Friday, August 10th at 6.30 with games and fun divisions featuring the Sam McKee Memorial Barrel Race. Then on Saturday, August 11th, it's Western In-Hand Showmanship, Driving, Roadster, and Gated Divisions. And on Sunday, August 12th, Dressage, English Equitation, Jumping, Hunters Fresh Off the Track, War Horse, and the Pacing for the Cure 2 Gated Pleasure Class. This year's show is in memory of the late, great Sam McKee. For more information, visit us at sphonj.org. That's sphonj.org. It's the National Standard Bread Horse Show, August 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Horse Park in Allentown, New Jersey. Be there! Winback Farms yearlings are born to compete and raised to win. Be sure to check out our lineup to take advantage of opportunities in slot and rich states. Our yearlings are eligible in Delaware, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Ontario, and Pennsylvania. Our 2018 sales schedule kicks off in Goshen on September 9th, followed by Lexington October 2nd through the 6th, London October 13th to the 14th, Harrisburg November 5th to the 7th, and the Harrisburg Mix Sale on November 8th. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's Winback farm.com Running Aces Casino and Racetrack is the premier harness racing facility and card club in the upper Midwest. Located just 20 minutes north of the Twin Cities in beautiful Minnesota with seasonal live harness racing from May through September. Running Aces is the home of the $50,000 Dan Patch free-for-all pace and the $300,000 Minnesota Night of Champions. With live harness racing action three nights a week every Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday night and our signal is available on ADWs and at racebooks and simulcast facilities near you. Visit our website, runaces.com, for more information. Again, that's runaces.com. Hey, it's Darren Gagne here at Running Aces, and it's time to recap a very big week of racing here at the Minnesota Harness Racing Oval. It all started back on Saturday night, July 21st, where we featured two big races, $25,000 each for the Minnesota Sired and Owned Preferred Trot and the Minnesota Sired and Owned Preferred Pacing events. Well, in the trot, Doug's Hobby Horse, six-year-old mare by Claudius Augustus, owned by Rick Bertrand and Doug Flores, and trained by Rick Bertrand, very sharp uh, in that, uh, picking up her second win in the row in that $25,000 featured event on Saturday night with driver Mooney Swenson in the bike. She fired quickly from post six on the gate out of nine horses, engaged in an early battle with French Eclipse with James Kennedy for the lead, but Doug's Hobby Horse had the most speed, and she cleared to the front. With outsider Majestic Lady Joe, a big long shot at more than 20 to 1 with Steve Wiseman, also getting away sharply to drop in the pocket. Doug's hobby horse was never in doubt through the mile after establishing command. She maintained a solid lead throughout, coasted home to win by two lengths in 156 and 4, 29 and 1 final quarter. She now has six wins and 23 starts this season and $35,718 in the bank. Getting home second was Almar Bonbon with Brian Deachin and Almar Reba Babe with Jerry Longo wound up home in third position. $25,000 Minnesota preferred pacing event went to the heavy favorite Stucky Dode who returned to running aces. 
This sharp five-year-old gelding by Voracious Hanover. He made a pilgrimage back to running aces for this event after spending the last two seasons racing primarily in Ohio, and prior to that was a state champion in the, here in the state of Minnesota. Stucky Dote was the three-year-old champion pacer back in 2016. Driver Nick Rowland for Stucky Dote floated his charge away from the gate in third position, got rolling just past the fast opening quarter of 26-4, and four, and Stucky Dote swept right to the front, controlled things from there, and he was well in command of the field as they completed the half in 55-3 and three, and three-quarters in 124-2. and two. Then in the home stretch, a late challenge came from Swagasaurus Rex with Jerry Longo, but Stucky Dote was able to fend off that rival, get to the wire first by a neck in 152-2 for his sixth win of the season for owner Merlin Van Otterloo and trainer Brett Ballinger. The early race leader, Make It Big, with Steve Wiseman was a game third in the race. What you staring at closed sharply for fourth, and Swagasaurus Rex, of course, was second to Stucky Dote. Well, the big day was Dan Patch free-for-all final day on Sunday, July 22nd, and it was a fantastic day of racing and uh, festival activities here to close out Dan Patch weekend at Running Aces. What a race the 2018 Dan Patch turned out to be. Starting from way back at the eliminations on July the 8th, they were both very competitive and, and very entertaining races, and uh, the series this year has just been an absolute gem. And so we had a big night of racing on Sunday, July 22nd, to host the $50,000 final of the Dan Patch Free-for-All Pace, sponsored by Watch and Wager. Top five finishers from those eliminations back on July 8th came back for the 10-horse contest here on Sunday. And I'll tell you what, immediately as the gate sped away from the field, it was clear this would be no ordinary race. Nine ways who had established himself as a deep closer in both his elimination race and also in the Dan Patch preview, well, he was charging fastest of all towards the front of the field for driver Sam Widger and took command. Fan favorite Fire Drake with Nick Rowland from the inside post secured the pocket position with early speed, and it was race on for the rest of the field as they were all scrambling for positions as they rounded the first turn in a fast opening quarter of 26-4. and four. Little contact between Hawks Red Chief and I'm an athlete. They hooked wheels around the opening turn as horses were just scrambling for position. They were five in and five out as they passed the stands for the first time. Better's Promise also left from post nine was third over. Nuclear Dragon vacated a fourth over spot to try a three wide backside sweep. And Hawks Red Chief and I'm an athlete were still battling. Gold Star Misty, she saved ground throughout the mile. As they rounded the final turn, nine ways was keeping Trashy Tongue Talker at bay, who had advanced to a first over position attacking. Three quarters flashed in 122 and two, and they turned for home. Nine ways still had the lead. Fire Drake pounced from the pocket, and those two battled down to the wire. To the limit also saved ground and was closing toward the inside, but Nine Ways was able to hold off the furious charge of Fire Drake, last year's champion. Nine Ways holds on to win a gate to wire in the $50,000 Dan Patch free-for-all final over Fire Drake by a neck. To the limit was right there in third, and the mayor, Gold Star Misty, Got home in fourth position. The timer read 151-1, and one, which was a new track record for four-year-old pacing geldings in just a few ticks of a second off of the overall track record here at Running Aces.
Nine Ways, Four-Year-Old Gelding Pacer by Del Marvelous, Maryland Bread, Ben uh, Bread by Winback Farm, is owned by Antonia Storer of Lebanon, Ohio, trained by Denise Mayer. Driver Sam Widger was in town to drive nine ways in the Dan Patch Free for All final, and Sam had two winners on the program, including nine ways in the $50,000 Dan Patch Free for All final on Sunday night. What a race it was. Congratulations going out to the winning connections once again of nine ways taking the Dan Patch final here at Running Aces on Sunday. On Tuesday night, what it do, baby boo? She swept from last to first to take the Mayor's Open pace for her first win of the season. She captured the $13,000 Mayor's Open handicap to pick up her first victory this year. What it do, baby boo? We've seen this uh, filly when she was a filly at two and three years old make those sweeping moves from the back of the pack. Well, she did it again on Tuesday night to get her first victory of the season at 154 and one-fifth. Uh, winning driver is Rick McGee for What It Do Baby Boo on Tuesday night. Very impressive win. She is owned by the Van Otterloo Stables, trained by Gordon Graham. And again, her first win of the season in five starts, 15th career victory. She pushed her lifetime bankroll to $112,051 after winning the Mayor's Open on Tuesday night. What It Do Baby Boo and Rick McGee. And also, recently here at Running Aces, we celebrated 1,500 career victories for driver Nick Rowland, who's the all-time leader here in both wins and money in the history of Running Aces. He picked up his 1,500th career driving victory in race number 10 on race 11 on the program, I should say, on Sunday, July the 8th. Rowland, again, all-time leading driver here at Running Aces. Picked up his best season of his career so far. That was back in 2012 with 140 victories, an impressive UDR of 432. Also picking up a milestone recently here at Running Aces, Rick McGee, the second overall in all-time standings here at Running Aces in both wins and money. And also as a trainer, Rick McGee picked up his 1,000th career driving victory in race number one on Sunday, July 15th. Uh, driving the trotter, bring over the money to four wins in a row. Rick started his driving career back in 2002, but it really took off when running, running aces opened in 2008. His best year so far with wins was 2009 with 139 victories. In 2016, his best UDRS year, 372, and earnings of 531179 So once again, congratulations to all of our leading drivers here at Running Aces, Nick Rowland with 1,500 wins recently, and Rick McKee picking up 1,000 victories as well. Big weekend of racing coming up this weekend at Running Aces. We've got 10 big races on the program on Saturday night and 12 races on Sunday. And Sunday night features the $10,000 guarantee in the 50-cent late pick award. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack is the premier harness racing facility and card club in the upper Midwest. Located just 20 minutes north of the Twin Cities in beautiful Minnesota with seasonal live harness racing from May through September. Running Aces is the home of the $50,000 Dan Patch free-for-all pace and the $300,000 Minnesota Night of Champions. With live harness racing action three nights a week, every Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday night, and our signal is available on ADWs and at racebooks and simulcast facilities near you. 
visit our website, runaces.com, for more information. Again, that's runaces.com. Standard Bread Pleasure Horse Organization of New Jersey is proud to present the National Standard Bread Horse Show. Coming up on August 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Horse Park in Allentown, New Jersey. It's fun for the whole family. The fun starts on Friday, August 10th at 6.30 with games and fun divisions featuring the Sam McKee Memorial Barrel Race. Then on Saturday, August 11th, it's Western In-Hand Showmanship, Driving, Roadster, and Gated Divisions. And on Sunday, August 12th, Dressage, English Equitation, Jumping, Hunters Fresh Off the Track, War Horse, and the Pacing for the Cure 2-Gated Pleasure Class. This year's show is in memory of the late, great Sam McKee. For more information, visit us at sphonj.org. That's sphonj.org. It's the National Standard Bread Horse Show, August 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Horse Park in Allentown, New Jersey. Be there! Are you a student looking to log volunteer hours or just someone interested in spending free time giving back in your local community? Pacing for the Cure could use your help. We need volunteers at local events to help with fundraising and to assist with the annual dinner party planning activities. Please email Janine at pacingforthecure.org for more information. Again, that's Janine at pacingforthecure.org. Mike? Pacing for the Cure annual sponsorship opportunities are available on the pacingforthecure.org website under the donor tab. Choose your sponsorship level or customize your own sponsorship package. This is a great time to reserve a table sponsorship at the annual Pacing for the Cure fundraising dinner party in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania in November. As always, there will be great food, entertainment, and prizes at the annual event. Visit pacingforthecure.org. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, Rehab, Rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, Mike Carter and Mike Bozich. Boy, do we have a lot of fun today. Lots of great things coming up. Make sure you join us at Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment next Saturday for Hamiltonian coverage. We'll be back here next Thursday. First post is 1030. We'll see everybody next week. Can't stay here I know